0: Today in the series on the sacraments, I'll be talking about marriage. Last Sunday I talked about baptism. This Sunday I will be talking about marriage. Next Sunday I'll continue the series. Baptism, confirmation, and Holy Communion are the three sacraments that all people are asked to receive because it's through those three sacraments that we enter fully into the covenant with God. But then there's two sacraments of service, which really point to those three sacraments. The two sacraments: uh, first one is uh, marriage, the most common one. That uh, without marriage, of course, we don't have we don't have uh, more Christians being uh, coming into the world. But then the second one is the sacrament of holy orders, which which is deacons, priests, and bishops that they have received. I'll speak about that next Sunday. And then the other two sacraments are the sacraments of healing, the sacrament of confession, and the sacrament of the anointing of the sick. Today I want to spend much of my time on marriage. The first marriage, as we know, was between Adam and Eve. And it was a good marriage, a perfect marriage. Adam and Eve were created in perfect relationship with with God, but also with one another. I was going to say Adam picked up the socks after himself, but he didn't have socks. (laughs) It was a perfect relationship. And then, of course, we know they sinned and their marriage did not end well. Their marriage ended in death. They were created to live forever, but then they didn't. Even though they never divorced one another, they they stayed together, but that marriage ended in death. Then as we see in the sacred scriptures as time goes forward, that, that God begins to use marriage language in referring to himself and the people of Israel. God, God says that he's like the bridegroom and the people of Israel are like a bride. The first reading talked quite a bit about that. But he calls his, he calls his land, the people around espoused. He calls the people of Judah, um, as, a, as a young man marries a virgin, so will I marry you, he says. And then, Christmas comes, and God, He does just that. He marries His people. He enters into a relationship with, with His people, with humanity. He becomes one flesh with us. He takes on our flesh. When a man and a woman enter into the marriage covenant which is much more than a contract. A contract can be broken. Much of our culture looks upon marriage as a contract. Sign a contract, you're married, bring the contract to the courthouse, now the contract's broken, it's done. But a covenant is, is so much more. A covenant is, ties a man and a woman together, literally for life. But in order for the covenant to remain, one must live out one's baptismal call, which is knowing God, which is praying, which is having a a deep relationship with God, a relationship that wants God's love. Which is why whenever I hear a couple who's been married for 15, 20, or even more years, or even one year, and I hear that the couple is not praying together, I'm disturbed by it. And I, and I ask this question, how can a couple expect there to be love within their marriage when they themselves do not invite love himself into their marriage? But it also brings great joy to me when I hear a couple, or when I see a 50-year-old couple praying together. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Because a, a man and a woman cannot stay together without God. A man and a woman cannot stay together without God's help. Therefore, when a couple prays together, it's inviting God into their relationship. When a couple talks about God, it allows love to flourish within the marriage. So I wanna I wanna ask you and beg all you married couples to if you're not praying together now, start to pray together. Don't don't be concerned about what the other's gonna think. You're gonna grow in your relationship with one another by strides, by praying together. And of course, pray for your marriage and family. I've had a number of uh, I've given a number of wedding homilies. One of the, the stories that I tell in a, a wedding homily is the the story of Bill and Mary. They were married 57 years. And one day they were there lying in bed, ready to go to sleep. And, and Mary turns over to Bill and she says, It's been a long time since you've read from a book to me. Could, could you read a book to me? He goes over to the bedside stand and he grabs a book and he reads a chapter. He finishes the chapter and she says, It's been a while since you've given me a back rub. Could you rub my back? And gives her a back rub. And then she begins to be goofy, and which is okay for married couples to do. She says, Could you... Nibble on my ears with your teeth. And he gets up and he starts to leave, and she's like, Well, where are you going? He said, I'm going to get my dentures. (laughs) Going to get my dentures. (laughs) But I tell this because it, it shows a little bit of the affection that a man. And a woman can have for one another in marriage. And it's a good thing. It's a good thing to be goofy every now and then. It's a a good thing to, to do those types of things for affection. Now I want to go into the marriage ring. The marriage rings represent what's happening within the marriage. Whenever a sacrament is given in the Catholic Church, there's always some sign that makes present the sacrament and shows what's happening. So, for example, when a, someone is baptized, they receive this white garment because the white garment shows and symbolizes what's happening within the person's soul. They also receive a candle which tells them to be, the, to be the light of the world. When a priest is, uh, is ordained, immediately after the ordination, right, his hands are laid before the bishop and the bishop pours chrism oil on the hands. Because it's the hands of the priests which bring us Holy Communion. It's the hands of the priests which absolve us of our sins. It's the hands of the priests which bless us. For a couple, for the married couple, it's the ring. The origin is not actually Christian. The origin is is pagan. It originated in many cultures of the world. That when... when a man and woman entered into marriage, there would be the exchange of a ring, sometimes one ring where the woman would only have a ring. And then um, some cultures, two rings, particularly in the West. It was only the woman until jewelry companies said, "Well, hey, we got to do something for the men too. So men have only been wearing marriage rings, I think, for the last maybe 70 or 90 years. Before that, men didn't. Which I think it's great, though, that men do because of the symbolism behind it. Three things I want to mention about the ring. First of all, it's round, which shows the, that the marriage goes on and on and on. It's indissoluble. That nothing can break the marriage if it's a valid marriage. If it's a valid marriage, and then even after the valid marriage, the couple decides to get a divorce, they're still married in the eyes of God and in the eyes of the church. Because when that couple says to one another that I give myself to you and I receive you, it's it's a promise they're making before one another, before the church, and before God. The final phrase of the, that the priest will say right after the couple says their vows is, he says, "Therefore, what, what, how this goes, What God has joined together, let no one put asunder." It's a direct quote out of Ephesians chapter five. What God has joined together, let no one put asunder. No man has the power to break up a marriage if it's a valid marriage. Which then goes into my next point. In order for a marriage to be valid, both parties have to have to come into the marriage freely. One can't be forced, or one can't be saying, Hey, I just want to get out of home, I'm going to get married to this guy, and no longer have to be with dad and mom. That's not a valid marriage, although it could be. In order for a marriage to be valid, both have to be open to children. It has to be fruitful. The very first marriage, Adam and Eve, the first commandment God gave to them was to be fruitful and multiply. If a couple enters into marriage without desiring children, it's not a valid marriage. The next one is faithfulness. One has to intend faithfulness and live faithfulness at the time of the vows. If he or she is is going around with another person at the time of the vows. It's not a valid marriage because there's unfaithfulness from the very beginning. Sometimes you hear, you know, a couple they've been together for 25 years. Then you hear they get divorced, and then the next thing you hear that they're receiving an annulment from the church. One does not always know the circumstances behind it. But it's it's one of these or some subcategory of these that was lacking at the time of the vows. The next thing about the ring that you will notice is it's usually, most of the time, made from some precious metal, whether it's silver or gold. It's interesting because the precious metal symbolizes the marriage because in order for that precious metal to become precious, it had to go through fire. In order for a marriage to become solid and durable and, and strong, the couple has to go through difficulties. The challenges, whether it's challenges between one another, learning how to sacrifice themselves for the other, or it could be some, some traumatic situation, the loss of a child, the loss of a job, loss of a parent, sibling. And then that marriage in the fire becomes more and more Perfect. When I was in Wilson, there was a couple, they were married 74 years. And then he passed away right about a month before their 75th. 74 years together as a couple. They were through fire. I know that without a doubt. I mean, I knew them well. They were even at the funeral of grandchildren, not just a child, but grandchildren. That's tough. But they were able to remain together because of the next point. The marriage ring is is round, which symbolizes indissolubility. It's precious, which shows the preciousness of a marriage. The last thing is this. In a Catholic marriage, when the rings are exchanged, they're not given in one's own name. The, the rings are given in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. And the reason that they're given in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit is because the couple is incapable of staying together by themselves. A man and a woman is incapable of remaining married till death without God's help. Which is why in a Catholic marriage, well, first of all, why, why Catholics are required to, to get married in a Catholic church, and of course with the Catholic ceremony, is because of all the essence. It seems like a minor detail, giving the rings in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit. But one needs that grace. One needs that grace because, for those of you who are married, you know what I'm talking about. Some days you're like, I don't want to be here. And you turn to your faith, you turn to God. And He gives you the grace to remain Gives you the strength to stay. And then the marriage the marriage between the baptized is a sacrament because it's how one becomes holy. For those of you who are married, what's your ticket to heaven? It's your spouse. Your ticket to heaven is your spouse. Your spouse is supposed to help you to get to heaven. Sometimes it's not the way you want it to be. But nevertheless, I'm going to close with this. For those of you who are married, live like you're married. You're no longer single. You're no longer looking for someone. You're married. Live like you're married. For those of you who are not married, don't live like you're married. And you all know what I mean.